Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And very special episode today, um, talking to my friend Fred Katz, the, the brand new uh, beat writer for the Oklahoma City Thunder for the Norman Transcript in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, Fred just moved to Oklahoma City this week to the point where he hasn't even found an apartment yet. And his first game will be... A Saturday night, uh, game one of Thunder Spurs, which suddenly went from being part of what looked like a great second round to a very boring one outside of that series. So, so Fred, uh, congrats on the new job, and and how are how are things in uh, in transitioning across the country and jumping into the middle of the playoffs all at once? It's it's insane. It's it's so hectic, man. Um, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's just been it's been a weird experience for me so far because I'm trying to find a new apartment. I'm I'm also still working and I'm working, you know, a lot of hours because it's the playoffs. I'm going to San Antonio today. You know, I'm trying to to find a car to lease or buy or something. And it's just kind of all of these things which you normally have time for uh, that take a while all being, you know, jumbled together into one, you know, two or three day span before I leave for San Antonio. Yeah. And for people that that don't know, Fred, Fred is a, a lifelong New Yorker. Uh, born and raised here, and uh, I'm in New York still. I'll, I'll be in San Antonio for the series starting on Saturday, but what what has it been like uh, moving? You know, I know you went to school at Missouri, so it's not like you never left the city, but um, I imagine it's been I imagine it's been a bit of an eye-opening experience to, to, to move across the country and, and start looking for apartments and, and all that kind of stuff in a bit of a different environment than, than Manhattan. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, there's some things that are kind of weird and we'll have to get, you know, getting used to. Uh, other things that are just amazing. I mean, coming, have, having, paying rent in, in Manhattan and then coming here and, and wanting to get a place in this, you know, in Oklahoma City and seeing the rent prices as I tour apartments is just an amazing thing. Like, it, it's incredible. You can live so much nicer here for so much cheaper than you can live, you know, horribly in New York. It's, it is, it is incredible. So is that going to be the sales pitch for Kevin Durant? You can have a way bigger and nicer house in Oklahoma city than anywhere else. I don't, I, I just have a feeling that Kevin Durant is not going to struggle to make money. When <laughs> so I don't know if that'll work great. I think that, I think that's fair. So, um, before we, before we get into the actual game, uh, you, you became kind of an internet meme a bit the other day. Cause you had your first, <laughs> your first one-on-one experience with Russell Westbrook as beat writer. So if you could, for the people who haven't seen it, can you just kind of walk them through what happened and, and, uh, and, and just kind of give them an idea of what it's like to, to deal with, uh, with Westbrook? Yeah. So, uh, I, I guess my first word of advice is never stumble over your words. Uh, so I, I went, I went to ask him a question and, uh, it was actually a follow-up question. The first question I worded and he answered, uh, and then, uh, I just kind of stumbled over my words. Uh, and, and I didn't think it was, it was that it wasn't like it was, it was horrible. It was just, I kind of stumbled over my words and, and Russ cut me off and said the phrase, which about 15 people have texted me over the last 48 hours. Um, say what my man? <laughs> I've had so, several people text it to me too in reference to you. So you, oh, you, yeah, it's, it, you've become a you've become a meme. Yeah, I know. Our mutual. I, as soon as he said that, I actually saw like I saw the the like I saw people tweeting out my picture with crying Jordan on my face. But <laughs> I could see it happening in front of me. It was one of those you know 
life in slow motion moments. It was amazing. Like I could just see like Sean Hyken retweeting my crying Jordan thing. And, and it was like, um, that, then he said that I was using two big words and I went to rephrase my question and I, I started laughing. I was laughing like very hard because I, I think Westbrook is great. I mean, I think he's, he's hilarious in press conferences. I've always thought that. And it was, it was mean spirited at all. Um, so I thought it was hilarious. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting, I'm getting proverbially dunked on right now. Like this is, I know how somebody feels when Russell Westbrook dunks on them. Now. <laughs> um, and, and so I just started laughing and I couldn't get the question out. Uh, and so then, then Russ said something like, uh, you know, there you go. There you go. You're getting it. And, uh, Everybody seemed to love it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's what happens when you get on a beat, especially at this point in the season. So yeah, my um, my brother, my brother actually, my brother is not a big sports fan, but he loves Russell Westbrook because of his press conferences. Sure, and sure. And actually, like watches. His yeah, having YouTube met your brother, none of that surprises me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> none of that. Yeah, that is that is very true. And uh, so he. Uh, he texted me that he saw it on Twitter and he texted me. This is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> well, there you go. You, you made your, you made your little brother happy. So, exactly. so it's a win all around. So, all right. So let, let's dive into this series. I, I mean, you're, you've been, you know, around, you were, you know, working for, for diamond for Fox sports and you've been bouncing around. So you, it's not, you've been following this all year long anyway, but now that you've had a few days to kind of dive into this and really, study this series is kind of the benefit of, you know, both your situation where you knew about this job for a couple of weeks and the fact that, you know, both these teams took care of business well early in the week. So we've had a few days to kind of to build up to this series starting um, as you as you come into this series. What what are what are some of the key things that that you're looking at to uh, to try to determine what's going to happen when things get started on Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, obviously the key matchup is going to be Durant versus Kawhi. Um, they won't be guarding each other the whole time, but you know, if the regular season's any indication, they're they're going to be guarding each other at least a little bit. Um, you know, the Spurs threw a lot of different defenders at Durant uh, during the regular season. They had Danny Green guard him. Uh, they had Kawhi guard him. Um, you know, I could see some other guys trying to do it too. Um, and and they kind of switch up those defenders on on Durant and Westbrook, like throughout quarters. Even um, they don't really leave that consistent, um, like they do with a lot of t- other teams and other really good players. Um, um, and uh, I think the big X factor might end up being Serge Ibaka. Um, you know, I, I saw think... your tweet about this last night. The stat you tweeted out, I was going to bring it up. I think it's a pretty fascinating stat. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. It's at the Thunder or something like, uh, I think it's 14, 14 or 15 uh, points per one. They were getting outscored by 14 or 15 points per 100 possessions with Ibaka off the floor against the Spurs. And when he was on the floor, they were outscoring the Spurs uh, by about 18 points. So that's like a 30-something point swing per 100 possessions, um, which is an amazing – I mean, that, that is a crazy swing. Right. Of course, got to take that with a grain of salt because the Spurs-Thunder games this year were weird because – uh, in the fourth game of the year, the, uh, the Spurs rested their guys. The, the Thunder rested their guys. In the third game, the Spurs rested their guys. Um, you know, the the second time they played, the Thunder were on a back to back. They had their they guys. Only really, I mean, they only really played the two games, right? The very first yeah. game of the year, which I feel like somebody was sitting out, but I, I could be wrong. I might they might have just lost, but it was the first game of the year, and then and then that game um, in in San Antonio in March, right? Because that right. was part of that week when the Spurs. I want to say the Spurs beat the. They beat the Warriors, Thunder, and Clippers or Cavs all in a week. I don't remember who the other team was, but they kind of 
ran through a bunch of elite teams right in a row, um, right. um, including them on a Saturday. Yeah, and that was also when the Thunder were in that funky stretch where they were blowing a lot of third quarter, you know, leads going into the third quarter and right. stuff. And, right. Um, and they were they were also on, you know, because they they had had you know a third a fourth quarter lead against the Clippers and they lost by like twenty two. They they had that lead against the Warriors and that was the incredible game with the you know the Curry thirty five footer to win it. Um, so there were, and you know, it was also on the second night of a back to back. And while you know that doesn't make the game totally irrelevant when you're trying to find information in it, it's something you have to take into account. Um, and, and yeah, and you know, even that first game, I think everyone played in that first game. But uh, even yeah, in that no, first I game, think you're right. It was just the opening game of the season. Yeah, exactly. It's like the opening game of the season. It's the first NBA game Billy Donovan's ever coached. He's going up against Greg Popovich. I think Donovan has uh, changed his tendencies since then. You know, that was back when he wasn't staggering Durant and Westbrook in his lineups and his rotation were different and I don't think he was using you know Kyle Singler the same way he might end up using him in this series um who I think is going to play a little bit more uh than he than he played against uh Dallas but uh uh yeah I mean I think there are there are a lot of ways that this is a different team and 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 you can use those those early games to study what you think might end up happening but uh I don't know if that like first game of the year is a great predictor right no I I would agree with that so so as we as we kind of look at at this, you know, you, you mentioned a couple a couple different things there. Um, when let's focus on the Thunder's defense, though. You know, every, we know Oklahoma City is going to be able to score. If you've got Westbrook and Durant, you're going to score a lot of points. But their defense has has frankly been bad for an elite team all season. Um, they don't look like they have the same kind of effort for Donovan that they did for Scott Brooks. They don't look like they're as committed on that end. Um, Russ, in particular, has had some really ugly games. Um, game two of the the that Maverick series, um, he was just awful in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, as I'm sure you remember, I mean, he had you know Ray Felton blowing by him to the basket. He's getting screened, stand basically just kind of with his hands on his knees. Um, you know, just not not stuff that a guy with his athleticism um, should have happening to him. And considering who they're playing against, the th- you know, playing the Spurs, a team with, you know, that's really precise and, and you know, kind of grinds you to death just methodically with the way they execute, do you think that this team is capable of just kind of flipping a switch and giving the kind of effort they need to in order to, to, to have the kind of defensive production that they need to, to be able to, to win a series like this? I mean, it, it, I don't think they were a great defensive team during the regular season. They were 12th, 12th in defense in the regular season. I think they can be better than that. Um, we've seen them have good defenses before with relatively similar personnel. Right. Um, you know, I think Ibaka had a down year this year. There's no question about that. Uh, Bill, Billy Donovan had an interesting point about that yesterday, which probably right about for tomorrow, um, which was that, um, you know, Ibaka is better when he's around the basket because he's such a good rim protector as, as a defender. And uh, as the league has just become almost exclusively four out, one in, as opposed to two in, three out, um, he's not around the rim as much. And he's, you know, having to go out to guard Dirk or go out to guard, you know, Ryan Anderson or whomever else. And obviously those were things he was doing before, but he just wasn't doing it quite as much. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe in a Spurs series where Aldridge and, and Duncan don't stretch to the three-point line, he could be a little bit, you know, obviously he's got to, you know, go out to 20 feet to guard LaMarcus Aldridge, but uh, he could be a little bit more in his comfort zone in that series. And, and if he plays really well, he's such a talented 
and, and potentially impactful defender that he can carry a whole defense as long as everybody else plays competently. Um, I think, I think Durant is, is still a really quality defender. Uh, I'm with you on Russ. Um, my issue with him is not as much him getting screened and that kind of stuff. He, he just gambles a little bit too much for my liking. Right. No question. Uh, you know, he'll, and, and it's not even just jumping passing lanes. He'll he'll try to sneak up on guys. You know, a guy will be, you know, in the high post and have his back turned to the corner, and Russ will be guarding the guy in the corner, and he'll just sprint from behind him thinking he's going to sneak up on, on him and, and, and punch the ball away. And there have been multiple times where he's done that, left the guy wide open in the corner, and then, you know, a good shooter in the corner gets a wide open look. Um, right. And, and that's led to a good amount of points. He did that against the Spurs a few times, and the Spurs – I don't think with Dan, when he was guarding Danny Green, and uh, I don't think Danny Green hit every one of those shots. But you just can't leave Danny Green wide open for threes in the corner. He's going to hit those enough to make you regret it. Um, and it's those sorts of things that I think are the issues. It's really, really detrimental to gamble against San Antonio. Um, and, yeah, and so that's they thrive on. They I mean, they they yeah. basically they basically try to bait you into into gambling, and then they take advantage of it. That's what's what they do. Yeah, I mean, this is this is hardly a hot take, but if there are two teams you don't want to gamble against, it's the Spurs and the Warriors. <laughs> uh, that's that's not a hot take, I realize. Right. But but it, but the the Thunder they gamble a lot on defense, and I think that's when they get they get beat. Um, they they'll give up backdoor cuts, they'll give up open corner threes because of it, and uh, those are the shots that you know the Spurs the Spurs take a lot of mid range shots. That's that's a really interesting about thing about the Spurs how everyone talks about them as this incredibly progressive franchise, and obviously that's all true. But when you look at the numbers, they don't they don't take a lot of shots of the rim, and they take a lot of shots from mid range, uh, and and it's almost the antithesis to their defensive strategy, which is this very odd juxtaposition. But they're so good at those mid range shots, you know, with Aldridge and Duncan and Kawhi Leonard is is great from mid range. Um, that they they turn their offense into you know a top five offense in terms of efficiency. Um, so it's it's an interesting watch, but but yeah, it's it's really the gambling. I think if they can cut down on the gambling. They can be better. It's not as much about being locked in um, as it is just being in the right place. And, and I think if they can do that, they can make themselves into a top 10 quality defense. And, and as long as you can do that, I think their offense, which is insane, is is good enough to, to carry them. They they can beat San Antonio if they do that. Uh, but but they just they need to add some discipline. I, I don't know if that's something you can just turn on, if that's a habit you can break after you know 87 games of, of gambling. Uh, but if it's something that they can do, then uh, then yeah, I'd certainly give them a chance. Well, and, and you mentioned it, but the, this is kind of a unique matchup in that in a, in a league where so many teams are playing small and you know trying to have this, you know, as you mentioned, kind of the four out, uh, four guys surrounding one uh, interior big and firing up three-pointers, you know, these are two teams where, you know, frankly, at the start of games, you know, the Thunder have one good three-point shooter playing in Kevin Durant, and the Spurs have, you know, the Spurs, Kawhi's become a good three-point shooter, and, and Danny Green is, but, you know, they're, both teams are playing two bigs. Um, neither point guard can really shoot threes. Um, you know, they've they, it's it's kind of, it is kind of fascinating how, how these two teams are are so much different than a lot of the league in terms of how they're built just because of the way their talent is is aligned and you know you mentioned that that this that, you know that matchup kind of allows Ibaka to play as more of a traditional power forward and I, I was wondering because the the Thunder do play you know they play Steven Adams a lot they play Ennis Canner a lot 
Um, you know, they, they kind of like to stick with a traditional lineup. And the Spurs, you know, obviously have David West and Lamarck Saldridge and Tim Duncan. You know, so they've, they have Boris Diaw. So they've got plenty of guys who can play traditional big spots too. Which of these teams do you think benefits more from the fact that, that both of these teams' default lineups are kind of, you know, traditional, you know, traditional-looking NBA starting fives? I mean, do you, do you think there's one of these two teams really gains an advantage from that? Um, I don't know. I, I I think they might. I think they might just offset. Uh, I would say. I would say. I would say maybe San Antonio. I think San Antonio has a uh, a better chance of controlling the pace in the series. Um, so I would I would say San Antonio just because uh, if you, if the the Thunder still like to run, they're really good in in transition and um, you know that's and, and uh, Russell Westbrook loves to get out and run and and get points on the break and and you know in that like secondary break range of like you know eight to fourteen on the shot clock and uh, the Spurs are so good at, at thwarting that and from a defensive standpoint and just making guys get into their half court offense. And and that's where those two bigs really thrive because Aldridge doesn't get enough credit for his defense. Not um, at all. Not at all. He he. Not at all. And nor near enough credit, especially with the way he's fit in this. I mean, I thought he was a pretty good defender in Portland, but the way he's, um, you know, there were some hiccups earlier in the season on a variety of levels with Aldridge there, but um, he. I think he's really settled in, especially after about mid January, um, and and. I agree with you completely. I think his defense is is vastly underrated in the way he's fit into that scheme. Yeah, I mean, he's. I, I think he's an excellent. I think the quality of his defense is, has made him an, an all league caliber player this season. To be honest, um, but he uh, because because him and Duncan just ha- are are so good uh, protecting the rim. I mean, you look at Aldridge's rim protection numbers this year, and they're excellent. Um, and and obviously, Duncan's are you know. Tim Duncan's, uh, and I think that kind of gives the Spurs the the big man advantage. Just just once they get into those half court sets, which are so good at on defense, uh, the big men kind of give them a lot of their defensive identity. And that's before naming the greatest defender in the world in Kawhi Leonard. So. <laughs> right, right. Um, now I'm I'm just looking at these these box scores from the first two games. I pulled them up while you were talking and. And this this game is kind of this series is kind of fascinating to me because Stan, it, you know, it's really a contrast in 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 rosters because yes, the Spurs now have Kawhi and, and Lamarcus as their their two kind of you know uh, plow horses um, for their team, but they the the Spurs are are very deep. You know, they go probably eight or nine guys deep. You know, you could argue maybe even ten, and they they. Uh, they kind of wear you down by being consistently excellent for 48 minutes. They might not have moments where they are, you know, world-destroying, you know, supernovas like, you know, maybe the Thunder when they're rolling or the Warriors when they have their death lineup out there at the end of games. But they, they're just, they just never really have a drop-off no matter who's on the court. You know, they kind of just do everything the same. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have the Thunder who have – you know, probably the best one-two punch in terms of dynamism in the league um, in Westbrook and Durant, where they can just, you know, between them and Ibaka and even with, you know, guys like Andre Roberson and Adam, like they have a a ton of athleticism and can just blow you off the court in a 10-minute stretch. But then they'll go to their second unit, and their second unit's pretty bad, and they'll get blown off the court themselves. And... Because this is a playoff series, you know, do you do you think that 
Do you think that that is a benefit to the Thunder that they they might even if they have to if they're going to go shorter like they probably will, they have that higher level to get to, or do you think the fact that San Antonio can't kind of spread the wealth around will still be enough of an advantage for them to take advantage of? Yeah, I, I, that's that's a really interesting. Um, that's going to be a really interesting matchup in this series. Just those two benches against each other. Do- Donovan doesn't really go with an all bench lineup anymore. I think he did it during during game one against Dallas, and then got away from it again. Um, and, and a lot of times when they have the bench lineup out there, you'll see Durant out there, kind of just running de facto point guard instead of Randy Foy because they just they you know I mean you know they have uh, they have campaign, but aside from him, they, they don't really play him much, and they don't really have a. Use a backup point guard, I should say. Um, so, so it it almost depends on how Durant plays in those sorts of lineups. I think if Durant really embraces that role, I know his turnover rates a little bit up in those sorts of, in those lineups when he's out there without Westbrook. Um, if he if he can play really well in those roles, and, and when I say really well, I mean really well for Kevin Durant, which is obviously a different standard. Uh, then I think he can hold up against the Spurs bench because Kevin Durant is just that good. Um, but the Spurs bench is is going to be a problem uh, for sure. That's that's maybe the best bench in the entire league. Um, I think David West has been, you know, he hasn't played a ton of minutes, but he's really been an excellent addition for them. And as someone who's really interchangeable, I mean, he, he closes games a lot for them. And, and uh, you know, Manu still had an excellent year. And, and a lot of those guys, you know, can can really can also, you know, take advantage of, of the Thunder's gambling issues. And, and, and the bench is not nearly for the Thunder as athletic as the starters, like you said. Um, if, if Durant can be out there and, and run with the bench well, or, or, or Westbrook can be out there and run with the bench well, and the Thunder go, you know, seven deep, eight deep, um, maybe it masks it. But I do think there are going to be times in the series where, you know, you know, Durant comes out or Westbrook comes out and, you know, San Antonio goes on a 10-0 run and then Donovan has to put, you know, one of his guys back in. Um, you know, I could easily seeing that happening um, at least a couple of times uh, just because the Spurs bench is, it's really, it's such a, it's so good. Yeah, and, and, and specifically with the Thunder, I mean, they've got two guys on their bench that are pretty lightning rod, or, you know, the real lightning rod guys, and Ennis Canner and Dion Waiters. And, uh, you know, I, I want to start with Canner. I wonder if Canner's going to be playable in this series. You know, I look at I look at the regular season numbers, and in the two games that mattered, he had 15 and 16, 15 points and 16 rebounds in the first game that Oklahoma City won at home. He had 11 points and 17 rebounds in 28 minutes. First game he played 24. Uh, he had 20, 11 and 17 in 28 minutes in the game that they lost. Numbers sound great. He was a combined minus five. He was zero in the win. He was minus five in the loss, and you know he's a he's a weird guy because he puts up all these numbers, but you consist you look at him whenever he plays, and they're consistently worse when he plays from a plus minus standpoint. And he's you know his, his defensive limitations are pretty well known, and I just feel like against the Spurs, a team that that especially in a playoff series is going to kind of isolate and attack whatever weakness they can find. I feel like that is a situation that they're really going to try to punish. So my first part of that, I guess, is what do you, where do you see his role in this series being? And, you know, do you think that he, the production he can provide them is going to be able to overcome some of the limitations he's going to provide at the other end? Yeah, I think, I think he's going to have to play during the slowest lineups possible. I think of the Spurs, you know, the Spurs don't really love to run anyway, but they, they play lineups that are capable of running if you allow them to. Uh, and I think if those lineups are out there for San Antonio, you know, 
one of the reasons that that um, you know they they struggle with Canner on the floor at times is not just because of his defense; it's also because he chases a lot of offensive rebounds and allows teams to get out in transition. Um, and I think I think the Spurs, as disciplined as they are, they recognize pretty quickly when they have a five on four or a four on three, uh, and they don't they don't run the same way the Thunder run, where it's just overpowering. But they make you know four passes in five seconds uh, and get the ball down the court you know so quickly that it, it might as well be Russell Westbrook running with it. You know, right? Um, I, I think those situations could could be end up being detrimental. Um, I also think there's, there's a game, you know, there's, there's a world because the Spurs don't chase offensive rebounds. Um, Canner's a very good rebounder. I mean, he, you know, like I said, he chases a bunch of them, but he's a very good rebounder. And, and I do think there's a role in him being able to, to help on the boards. Like I could see him gobbling up a whole bunch of rebounds. And, and that's probably why uh, in a lot of ways, his his defensive rebounding numbers were so good in those games that you mentioned, um, and and I think that can certainly be a help. There are ways to play Canner in which you can help him. I've I've always thought. I mean, I know he comes off the bench, and and I think Adams is a good player, but I've I've just I've always been of the mindset that if you're going to have a player like Cantor, you're best off putting him next to a Ibaka, a four, playing yeah. him next to Ibaka as much as possible. I agree. Right. I mean, play him. Play him with a four. I mean, the, the, the general basketball acumens, you know, basketball one-on-one will say if you've got a center who's got good touch around the rim, who's a good rebounder, I mean, Cantor can step out, but his, his bread and butter is around the rim. And, but, he, but he isn't going to defend or anchor a defense. Then you want to put him next to one of those really rare fours who can protect the rim and, and stretch the floor. And those are super rare guys. Like there's a reason Kevin Durant called Porzingis a unicorn, right? Those guys are... Those guys are right. really rare. And, yep. and Ibaka, the Thunder happened to have one of those guys. So when they got Cantor, I thought, you know, this could work. I mean, Utah's defense was like really low. It was like 29 or 28 in efficiency when they traded Cantor, and they were number one the rest of the year when they replaced him with Gobert. That's a, partly a statement on how good Gobert is and, you know, that team meshing together. But he was, you know, a detrimental defender in Utah. And um, I, 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 I figured, you know, you put him next to Ibaka and, you know, this could, this could work. Ibaka could mask some of his flaws. He could give him room to operate in the middle of the floor, but they just don't play together that much together. Um, maybe that's something that you try more in this series if you're going to play Canner. Um, but, but I, there are definitely, there are definitely possibilities where Canner comes on the floor, you know, puts up counting stats, um, and, you know, puts up a minus in the plus minus column and, and ends up losing playing time progressively throughout the series. Yeah. And the, and the Randy Foy thing is a problem too. You know, I, I mean, waiters will get his minutes and he'll kind of float around, but the, the Randy Foy point guard thing, you know, they, they played that way. I want to say it was in game five in the fourth quarter against the, the Mavs and let Dallas get back in that game. Um, it was game four, or game five. I don't remember which game was close. I think it was game five, um, and that that's been a just a consistent train wreck, really, ever since they traded for him. What what is, I know, I know you just got on the beat, you know, a couple of days ago, but I know you've been following the team. You know why why has Payne not played very much down the stretch? Because to me, when I look at the when I look at this Thunder team, to me. The, the the spot they've always had trouble with is that shooting guard spot, right? Going back four mm-hmm. or five years, they've been trying to find somebody who could play that spot that can give them, you know, two way some 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 effort at both ends of the court. You know, like Andre Robertson's a nice defender, he's a minus on offense. And Deion Waiters can score sometimes, he's a minus on defense. And you know, they've they've never had you know, they've kind of always needed a guy like Courtney Lee. And they've just never had that guy on their team. And you look at this Thunder team, and it feels like 
if they had spent this season getting Cameron Payne ready to go, that if you could roll out a crunch time lineup with Payne, Westbrook, Duran, Ibaka, and Adams, like that, that's a lineup that's athletic. It gives you some some dynamism at both ends, all over the place. Like it seems like that might that might have been their best optimal lineup. But you know, as you mentioned, Donovan basically just doesn't play Payne, and they you know they kind of run out these weird lineups with Randy Foyt back a point guard. So. So what what is the what is the 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 reasoning behind that? And do you think there's any chance that that changes at any point during this series? I would be surprised if it changed. I mean, look, it, it could change. Maybe the Spurs come out and and the Spurs get rolling, and Donovan thinks I got to shake something up. Um, I, I guess that's possible. I would be surprised if it happened. We haven't really seen any evidence that it's going to happen. You know, uh, he played. Payne played some time. I mean, very few minutes. Uh, but they were early minutes. They were first half minutes in that in that last game against Dallas, and I think he played a little bit in game two as well. Um, and then he just kind of went away and didn't come back in the second half. Um, I, I would maybe maybe he's not ready. Maybe you know a, a lot of times in these situations, it's it's a coach just not wanting to play a rookie. And I, and I do think that sometimes that's it's hard for us to to judge um, right. those situations from afar. Right. Um, I mean, it, I, I agree with you peripherally that, you know, it would have been nice to prepare him. Um, but, you know, it's it's without kind of knowing the, the inner dynamics of Cameron Payne's mind and, you know, what he's doing in practice and, uh, you know, what Donovan thinks he would be able to handle from a mental perspective as a rookie out there, um, I do think sometimes it's tough. Um, if we had seen more of him and seen, oh, he could definitely do it and he's not playing, uh, I would be more prone to being critical of it. Uh, but but I, I also think and, – and I do think that there were moments in the regular season when it would have been uh, – you know, someone like Greg Popovich would have been playing Cameron Payne because, you know, you use that regular season to prepare uh, for the postseason. Um, and, and when you're a team like the Thunder who, you know, barring injury, you know is going to get in there. Um, you know, maybe there's some thunder paranoia, you know, they've had injuries the last couple of years and they've, they, you know, they failed to make the playoffs last year because Westbrook got hurt for a portion. Durant was out for almost the whole year and they thought, well, we got to win as many games as we can. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, Donovan is, you know, we're still learning what kind of a coach Billy Donovan is. I think he's still kind of learning that as well. Um, you know, maybe he's one of those guys who prepare, you know, just prefers the veterans over the rookies unless, you know, it's, you know, a super, super high draft pick, which came was, you know, Payne was a first round pick. Uh, but in that, because of that, I, I would be surprised if he played. I do wish they prepared him a little more for this situation. But given the present situation, I mean, they, they haven't really done it. So I, I don't, uh, I would just be a little surprised if they just started to do it now. Yeah, no, that, that I agree. I don't think it's going to either. But I, it's just been a frustrating thing to watch with that team when you, you, you at least, they need to try every option they can. They needed to try, I should say, because Roberson's not good enough. You know, I mean, maybe they'll win a title anyway. They have, they have. Um, when you have guys like Westbrook and Durant, you can win any series. So they they might win anyway. But that that spot has been a huge detriment to them for years. And Romeo Robinson's a nice player, but he's a, a bench player, really. You know, if on a in an ideal world. Um, now you you mentioned another one of these wing guys earlier that you think Kyle Singler is going to be used a little differently. I mean, Singler, frankly, has been awful this season. Also, he was a guy who's part of that trade for Reggie Jackson last year came in with Ennis Canner was supposed to be maybe if not the answer at that two guard spot at the very least a guy who could you know maybe provide some of that that um that effort at both ends of the court they've been looking for he was a good shooter throughout his career in Detroit um 
from three point range. He comes to Oklahoma City shooting thirty one percent this season. Um, yeah, yeah, a low, low PER. He didn't didn't was just kind of all over the place. Um, why do you think he's going to be used differently, and 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 what 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 role do you envision him being used in, in this series? I, I just think we're going to see Donovan bring him off the bench to guard guard Kawhi every once in a while. Uh, he he used him. He's used him a lot during the regular season to guard to guard the the opposition's best best wing player. Um, and and he had him. You know, he was guarding Kawhi. You know, as recently as in those March games, uh, Donovan was using him off the bench to guard those games. Dallas didn't really. You know, Singler has his flaws. You know, I don't think he got his first assist on the season until you know mid December or something. Um, <laughs> right. Right. But but he uh, he 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 can guard on the wing, um, and and Donovan likes to use him to guard on the wing. Dallas didn't really give that matchup. You know, maybe if Chandler Parsons were healthy in that series, maybe we would have seen a little bit more Singler. He played in the first two games, didn't play, um, and he didn't play much in the first two games. But maybe maybe if you know Parsons is healthy, maybe we see Singler out there to guard him. But you know, with the way that Dallas runs its offense, you know, Singler's not a guy who's going to guard you know West West Matthews or. Or, or someone like that because those just aren't really you know you know dribbling ball dominant wings um, you know he uses singular to guard those those sorts of guys every once in a while and and I just um, I have a feeling that we're gonna see him a little bit more not I don't think we're gonna see him for 20 minutes a game I, I just think we're gonna you know he he didn't play at all for the most part in that right. Dallas series right. I just I don't think that'll be the case I think maybe 10 minutes a night 12 minutes a night. Uh, we're going to see him come off and just guard Kawhi because, like, like the Spurs, like throw a bunch of different defenders at Durant and Westbrook. I, I think uh, the Thunder, you know, we're trying to do a similar thing with with Kawhi. Um, we saw Roberson guard him, we saw Durant guard him, we saw Singler guard him in the regular season, and and I think um, it's it's totally possible, if not likely, that we just see those same rotation of three guys uh, guarding Kawhi throughout the series. Yeah, no, I th- I think that makes sense. Um, now. We saw the Thunder kind of lose their minds for a lot of this series with Dallas in the first round. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook, I thought, probably should have got ejected from Game 4 for um, some of the stuff he was doing with uh, with uh, Salah Mary. I think it was Game 4. The game he got one technical in, and uh, you know, he kind of got in that scuffle on the baseline. Could have easily got a second. Durant gets ejected from that game for whacking Justin Anderson in the head, getting a flagrant two. Um you know, I know that was a chippy series. There was a lot of yapping back and forth. Those teams have some history. You know, only being 150 miles apart or so um, out in out in the, the Southwest. But um, and I, and I do and obviously the the Spurs are a just a different. They're not gonna engage in any trash talk. I mean, really, a lot of their guys just don't even speak to people, um, let alone trash talk. But is there any concern? Um, on your end, from from the, the I don't want to say the mental psyche of this team because that that just sounds hyperbolic. But um, do do you think that you know, especially with a guy like Russ that can that can run hot anyway, that the, the, is there any concern that some of that might carry over to this series and these guys might be a little too amped up at times? No, um, I, I don't think so. No, I mean, look, I I I don't obviously know the personality of the players as well as someone who's been covering the beat for, for a long time. But um, I, I I don't think so. I think that Dallas series was more exceptional. It seemed personal, you know? Like when yeah, you it, look really, at- it really did. And, and I do think the fact that they are playing a team, like I think if they were playing, let's say, a healthy Clipper team or if they are playing a Warriors team where they've got, you know, you've got Blake and DeAndre and uh, Draymond Green and Iguodal, like you've got guys that will stir things up. You know, the, mm-hmm. the Spurs just don't 
do that at all. Right. Like they they right. basically are like lobotomized robots most of the time. So I I it, I I just I just was curious, you know, because I know you watched that series and it, it just seemed like it just seemed like things did get pretty intense at times. I didn't know if you thought that there was any chance that might carry over in any way. Yeah, no, I mean, it certainly, I mean, that was a fun series just because that was legit, like, you know, people say, like, old school, they yeah, hate each that other. Yeah, that was definitely old school, that was definitely old school hate, for sure. That was fun, like, that was even, like, Cuban coming out and, and trashed, you know, I don't think he was trying to trash talk Russell Westbrook, but that was kind of how everybody took it, and then that press conference after game five with Durant calling Cuban an idiot, and right. it was just, it was, it, was, it was like. It was like a WWE production, the whole series, there were, there were all kinds of goons coming out, it was great. Like that was just fun to watch, and and it was it was hard fought. I mean, look, there are some of those matchups in that series you could look at, and you can look at like Stephen Adams and Zaza Pachulia. And you can be like, okay, that is the most likely matchup in the playoffs for two guys to get into a scuffle. Right, exactly. But some of it was easy to predict. Um, you know, Russ is an outrageously competitive guy. Um, it's it. I mean, he is an amazingly competitive person, and when he gets put in that environment, and um, it seems like it does get a little bit personal, he takes stuff out. Um, you know, Durant is also an un, you know he's he's a you know a sweet guy, but he's amazingly competitive as you know as he as you know all great players are like that. Um, and, and I think they were just put in that series. I, I think with the Spurs, it's different though. Like I, I was talking about this with with a couple of guys yesterday, and and we were talking about how you know they, like even even the Clippers, who legitimately have beef with every single good team in the NBA. Like I can name I can name if you name any good team over the last. Over the even not great teams, you know the Suns and right, and, and, and right. The they Pelicans. had beef. They had beef. They had beef with the Nets when Humphreys was there, and the Nets were terrible. Him and Blake yeah. would go at it. They just they have issues with everybody. They have no beef with the Spurs, right? Yeah, it's impossible like, to have beef with the Spurs. They're just this and, lobotomized yeah. Borg that just goes out and wins sixty five games every year. Exactly, and they and they played them in a seven game playoff series that came down to a buzzer beater. Like right. it's not like right. they haven't had context that could bring up beef. And and it's just it's amazing the way that people talk about that players talk about San Antonio um, and Duncan specifically. Like the way the players talk about Duncan and the way they talk about Kobe is is it, the difference is really interesting to me. You know, players some players will still. Well, not anymore, obviously, but some players will still trash talk Kobe. Um, you'll see guys do that because they, you know, maybe they get excited that they're going up against, you know, Kobe Bryant, or you know, maybe it's because Kobe initiates a lot of that stuff and kind of has that persona. But, but even Stephen Adams shared this great story yesterday about how during his rookie year he was getting really physical with Tim Duncan, no surprise. And uh, Duncan, you know, in the middle of the game, and, and Duncan was struggling, and in the middle of the game, Duncan came up to him and was like, "Hey, how you doing? Like, congrats on being in the league." And 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 Stephen Adams was just like, oh, what a nice guy. And after that, he dropped 20 on him. <laughs> and, and, and he was laughing about how, you know, he can't let the Spurs nice him into not playing his game. Uh, and, and I thought that was a great story, but that's kind of what the Spurs do. Like the way that people talk about the Spurs, it's like this, this ultimate, I mean, that's, that's kind of the opposite of trash talk, right? Just talking about what a nice guy this guy is. Um, and, and, uh, the way people talk about the Spurs is just, it's just different. And the way they talk about Duncan is, is really different. Yeah, no, I, I, I would totally agree. So I know you got to get to practice here soon. So, um, let me, let me just get out of here with a couple things quick. Um, as you, as you've studied this for the last few days, you know, what, what is the number one thing that you are, have, have been looking at that you think is going to determine the outcome of the series? If you could boil it down to one or even one or two, you know, key either key stats or matchups. What, what do you think it'll be? 
I, I really do think it's going to be the the performance of Ibaka. If Ibaka can can kind of channel his you know twenty thirteen through fifteen defensive self. Um, if he hits those mid-range shots, you know, a lot of what the Spurs do on defense, they, they take away shots at the rim so well. They take away shots at the three-point line so well. And I'm not even talking about, um, you know, forcing guys to miss. They just take away the attempts. You know, the Spurs gave up um, a really high percentage of the field goals that they allowed this year, just attempts that they allowed this year, were from mid-range area. Um, and that's Ibaka's bread and butter. I mean, he's still a great catch-and-shoot guy from mid-range. Um, even even in his down season, his numbers from mid-range have always just been, you know, at at or near the top of the league, and, and this year was no exception. And he got he got hot with his jumper in that Dallas series. I don't know if getting hot in a Dallas series means anything in a series that starts five days later. Uh, but, but he, if he can, you know, knock down those open shots and at least force San Antonio to have to maneuver the floor differently, That'll cause a little bit of discomfort, and maybe that allows Westbrook to get into the lane a little bit more, which allows him to kick out to you know kick out to Durant on the wing, or, or allows Durant to get into the lane a little bit more, which allows for you know he 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 might be the best non-LeBron James cross-court passer in the league with the way that he gets guys open threes. Um, and the Thunder don't take a ton of open threes, so they could they could they could use they could use all the help that they can get, especially against the defense of this quality. I I, I do think it's going to start. Uh, with Ibaka for them, if if he plays really well, um, then then you know they can win the series. Uh, but but I think it does have to start with him, because you know you know what you're getting from Westbrook and Durant. Sure, and he's going to be up against Aldridge pretty much all the time too. And you know they're going to be trying to get Lamarcus going in every game. Um, and with with that said, you know what do you, what is your prediction on and what the final outcome is? I'll say Spurs in seven. I think I think it's going to be a really fun series. Like these teams are really good. This is this is. I was I was so disappointed about that Warriors Clippers series because I thought both of these series were going to be just really fun. Yeah, from, you and me both. Yeah, just from a basketball perspective, like if you're a basketball fan, all four of those teams are really good, and uh, I I just thought they were both going to be really fun. This one is still going to be great. I think um, I'm going to say Spurs in seven. Um, it's just, I mean the, the the Spurs. We haven't talked about how the Spurs went forty and one at home. <laughs> I mean they're they're going to have to. The Thunder, if they want to win, will have to beat the Spurs in San Antonio at least once. And the Spurs have lost once in San Antonio. And it was it was late in the year when they were kind of in there. Like It's almost like they did it to spite all of us losing that game, uh, just to show us how, how little they care about records and how championship-focused they are. Um, and uh, I, I just, you know, they might have to win twice if the Spurs take a game in Oklahoma City, which is also possible. Um, I, I just think the, the, home, the home court pushes them over. Yeah, I, I think the Spurs are going to win in six. I It comes back to what I asked you about earlier. I just don't think the Thunder can defend well enough to win this series. I mean, you're right. I mean, if Ibaka plays like a monster, they, they absolutely can win. You've got Westbrook and Durant. They can combine to score 80 in a series together. Like you can, you can, They can win the series, but I've watched this team play a lot, and I, I just don't feel confident that they can lock in you know, for game after game after game, you know, the way you have to to beat the Spurs team. Because we know what the Spurs are going to do, right? Like, they're not going to come out and flop. They're just going to do what they do, and you have to try to match them. And, you know, I, I it's been easy to forget amidst the the dominance of the, of the Warriors this season. But the Spurs had, you know, probably one of the ten best regular seasons of all time. And... And they are a they are not may, may, they might not be the greatest team of all time like Golden State will be if they win the championship, but 
you know, they're one of the best regular season teams of all time. And I just haven't seen that level of consistency from the Thunder for me to think that they can pull this series out. Um, and, and you even mentioned it. When, you, when you're talking about winning a, a, a seven-game series against a team like the Spurs, you, almost, you basically have to plan to win two games on, on the road because you're, you're probably going to lose at least one at home. So let's you know if the Spurs get one of those three in Oklahoma City, all of a sudden, you know the the uh, you know the Thunder have to win two games in San Antonio to win the series, and that just to me seems like too tall of an order for uh, for them to pull off. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the, the counter argument there is that the Thunder have two of the three best players in the series, right? Um, yeah, I mean that's yeah that's that's, that's, that's the argument. Thing. Yeah, that's the argument. You know, West if if you if you're betting the Thunder. You're betting on Westbrook and Durant, and you know what? It's not a bad arg- not a bad bet. If you're betting on no, those guys. I mean those those guys really are they are they're unbelievable, and the way that Russ has played this year, I mean, I I, I think he's transformed into becoming. I mean, he was always great. I've always been in the Russell Westbrook camp of you know thinking that he was great. I've never sure. been one to criticize. I mean, look, I wish he'd take a a, a little fewer threes, but that's such a oh yeah off. yeah exactly. It's just the thing with Westbrook's flaws is that they're obvious flaws, so people pick them out. It's like Harden's defense. It's obvious, so people pick it out. Right. There are there are more subtle flaws, which are way more detrimental to teams that even great players have that no one talks about just because right. they're subtle and they're they're not they're not easy to poke at. You yeah, know, there's nothing um, subtle about Westbrook. Yeah, just saying like, oh, I wish Russell Westbrook took two fewer threes a game. It's like, yeah, yeah, me too. But is that so horrible for his team that he's taking a couple extra threes? Like, is that it's not that bad? I'd still uh, take him. I'd still take Wait, him on my team. Oh yeah, that's the Dirk quote, right? Yes, that was that was my favorite line. You know, Dirk with the lounge singer, uh, lean back in the chair, hold the microphone in his hand thing, and he gets asked about that Cuban quote, and he just says, "I'll take him." You know, <laughs> I, given Dallas's struggles with free agency in recent years, I'm sure he would. Um, yeah. All right, well, Fred, I know you got to get to practice, so so thanks for swinging by, and congrats on the new job. Uh, before you go, just give uh, give the people. Um, your your information on where they can find you and and I know you started doing some work already so so you know plug some stuff on what you're doing you know going into this series. Sure. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Fred Katz F R E D K A T Z. Um, I I had a piece uh, in the paper this morning, uh, which is also online, of course, because uh, it's 2016. On, on what's on your the, website? Don't forget. Yes, NoranTranscript dot com. Um, and that was on the the Thunder defense and or the the Spurs defense and and basically how how historically good this defense really is and and what they're going to force uh, the Thunder into doing some of the stuff we already discussed on the on the pod and uh, I'll have a piece coming out tomorrow or later today online in tomorrow's paper on uh, on Serge Ibaka and and his impact in the series also a lot of what we've talked about today uh, and then I'll you know have have you know analysis columns every morning after games before games you know. You know, blog post updates. You, you'll hope. You know, if Russell Westbrook flips out on me again, then uh, I'm sure you'll see that other places too. <laughs> well, hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, you can uh, you can find me at Tim Bontemps on Twitter or at Tim Bontemps NBA on Facebook. Uh, you can read my work at the Washington Post website. Please uh, give a five star rating and review to the podcast on iTunes. It's appreciated. Um, thank you to Glenn Yoder and Western States for the theme music for the podcast. It's also much appreciated. Um, and I'm going to be heading out on the road starting, uh, tomorrow morning. I'm headed to San Antonio where I'll see Fred. I'm happy to say, uh, for this, this Thunder Spurs series. Unfortunately, 
the other series out west, which I was planning on bouncing back and forth to, has been just destroyed by injuries, which is a shame, as you said earlier. But um, it'll just mean I'll get to spend more time with you hanging out, watching what what should be the one truly great series in the second round. So, um, so Fred, thanks for stopping by. And to everybody listening, thank you for doing so. And we'll be back again soon.